Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, the podcast where we dissect and correct the TV ads that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. My name is Al and I'm here with my very best buddy, Dee. I'm here. You're here. In the other, I'm in the driver's seat. You are and it's terrifying. Yeah, I have a mouse over here. There's two screens. I can click on whatever you got. Go, Cultist Simulator. Yeah, it's a good game. Oh, you got so many games. I have a lot of games. Yeah, I'm a gamer. I love The Haunted Island, and it's a frog. Yes, that is a fun one. And also, what was the one you just completed? Um, oh, the- uh, Power Wash Simulator. Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> it made me cry. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Look, emotions are hard. Emotions are hard, and so are hormones. Yes. I have to tell you. What? I've been baptized. What? By the, the, by the Power Wash Simulator? In the garlicky waters. <gasps> Of the Olive Garden. <gasps> oh, yeah! Which I went to for the very first time. You've, whoa! Whoa! You've never been I had to Olive Garden. never been to an Olive Garden. I guess Garden. there's not one on the island. No. Holy shit. Okay, we need a... This is the now the podcast, so we need a <laughs> review. Tell us about it. Um, okay, well, <laughs> the context is that yeah. we were coming home from camping, had just driven an hour and 20 minutes to get to the Olive Garden, and camping, another... Camping, by the way, was gay camping. Yes. With it was, how many boys? Uh, eight, eight boys. Eight boys. <laughs> Um, <laughs> eight stinky camp boys. <laughs> uh, and, uh, it, we had to drive another 40 minutes to get home. So yeah. with my alternative clitus, I tend to not eat a lot when yes, driving. Yeah. So, um, all of the boys got big bowls of pasta yeah. a- and I got a piece of cake. <laughs> what kind of cake? Tell um, me about it. It was like a strawberry shortcake. How'd you like it? It was really good. But yeah. when I ordered it, the waitress looked at me like I was the cutest, softest, smallest little puppy that she had ever seen in her life. <laughs> I don't know if any of our friends listen to Podcast the Ride, but I like to make that comparison. Al, you had big Jason Sheridan vibes. I did. Where you had, there was a table of nine and all the big boys, they're getting big bowls of pasta, and you're the sweet little baby. Can, <laughs> get me get my little cake, cake. Looking around, terrified that I could be hate crimed at any moment. <laughs> In Langley. <laughs> Not, no, not you with a shortcake. Shortcake with a shortcake. Aww. So, how was it? It was delicious, and I got to partake of some breadsticks, and they were very good. They were unlimited, baby. They were unlimited. Yeah. Olive Garden is, uh, when you're here, your family. Yeah. Uh, Olive Garden is, uh, I have a weird feeling about Olive Garden, (laughs) because it was the only fancy restaurant. Oh, yeah. When I was growing up in New Hampshire, that was the fancy restaurant. It is expensive. Is it? Well, everything's expensive. (laughs) How much was your cake? Um, it was like ten bucks. Oh my god, for a piece of cake? Yeah, and Jesus. the like the mains are like twenty bucks. Like what? expensive. <laughs> Why would you spend twenty dollars in Olive Garden? Well, I guess because you get unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks. I guess you you gotta fill up with the soup, salad, and breadsticks. I got it. Would you go back? Um, depending on the context. <laughs> <laughs> if there was one next to you, would you try? Oh that? yeah, I would go back and try all the desserts. All the desserts. Or I would order delivery. <laughs> Oh, you never want to do delivery. <laughs> you never. As someone who did Red Robin delivery, you never want to do a fast food <laughs> delivery. No, no, no. I'm glad you had that experience. Yeah, it was good. good. It was good. Is there any other um, quick service restaurant that you want to knock off on your list? Oh, man. I mean, I've been to the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. Um, what is it? Maybe a, like a, an Outback Steakhouse? You've never been to an Outback? Oh, I gotta, yeah. I gotta try the Bloomin' Onion. You, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, next time we're in the States, that we'll take you. Okay, good. good, good, good. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready, friend. Sweet. Uh, uh. 
Those are my getting ready noises. <laughs> and they're perfect. <laughs> In the autumn of 1984, mm. an electrician from Bryan, Texas, came across a classified ad that seemed like the perfect way to fix an issue in his life. I love classified ads. Because <laughs> you don't know what you're getting. You don't know what you're getting. Yeah. <laughs> the ad read, Ex-Marines, 67 to 69 NOMVETS, oh, no. XDI, Weapons Specialist Jungle Warfare, oh, no. Pilot, ME, High Risk Assignments, US or Overseas. Oh, this is a Dale Dribble situation. This is a this Rick. is a yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, this is like a, a hired assassin situation. Mm. Is this what this is? The electrician Robert Black contacted the man who had placed the ad, John Wayne Hurd, oh, and no. paid him ten thousand dollars for the job of killing Robert's wife Sandra. Oh my God. You do not go to Craigslist. Oh, it wasn't or, Craigslist. Sorry, newspaper. It's Craigslist light. <laughs> oh, no. It was Heard's third murder in 19 days. <laughs> Wait, the, the, the military guy? Yeah. He's getting guess, jobs left and hey, right. I guess business is booming. Business was booming. Could you imagine booming. putting that in the newspaper as, as a lark and then getting calls and you're like, well, I'm as well. <laughs> How did he do it? How did he kill her? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. I just, like, is it, like, is he, how, like, is it, is he good at it? Well, he went to jail. So he's bad at it. <laughs> Robert Black and John Wayne Hurd were both criminally convicted for the death of Sandra Black, but there was also a civil case that resulted from the incident. Yeah. Ron Franklin, the lawyer representing Sandra's parents and her 17-year-old son, oh, no. aimed to prove in court that the advertisement itself was an unequivocal offer to commit domestic criminal services. And he was ready to prove that over 20 felonies over two months could be associated with the classified ads in the magazine where Robert Black found John Wayne Hurd's services advertised. Where, where was it? Like a magazine? That magazine. Soldier of Fortune? Is Soldier of Fortune. Uh, okay. So his ad, can you read me the ad again? Yes. Ex-Marines, 67 to 69 NOMVETS, XDI, Weapons Specialist Jungle Warfare, Pilot, ME, High Risk Assignments, US or Overseas. Could be. I mean, this was pre grinder <laughs> I don't think Soldier of Fortune had, like, you know, what was those, like, I saw you ads? Oh, <laughs> misconnection? Yeah, misconnect. Maybe this was just, he was just putting in for misconnection. <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah. He's trying to find something. Well, he did. It vet, wait, vet for vet? <laughs> v for V? It does say high risk assignments, US or overseas. It Who knows be. what that is? Who knows? <laughs> Lord. <laughs> the magazine's attorney insisted that the ad did not inherently advertise any illegal activity, saying the ad is a very plain vanilla ad, the kind you would expect to find in a magazine of that type. When you when you say it's vanilla, <laughs> he just wants to hold hands, friends. This is so vanilla. It's, it's so like vanilla. basic PNV missionary. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> While Sandra Black's family won the initial court case, including a $9.5 million settlement from Soldier of Fortune, the case was overturned in appeals two years later with the unanimous three-panel judge calling the advertisement facially innocuous and its message ambiguous. Facially. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't do facials. Is no, no, well, yeah, because it's vanilla. Because it's vanilla. <laughs> Would you, well, we're not going to get into this. We can't. We simply can't. We simply, we simply can't. can't. But for me, I skip over that porn. As soon as I see one, I just like, no, mm, not for me. Not for me. Not for me. <laughs> 
While the ad itself may not have been explicit in its goals, Soldier of Fortune itself is fully unabashed in its mission of venerating violence and militarism and celebrating the most toxic aspects of masculinity Ugh. with a passion that would make Ernest Hemingway come. <laughs> We're dragging Ernest in here, huh? <laughs> Wait, is it... Uh, like, I know... I think I've heard of this case. That's how I know Soldier yeah. of Fortune. And also the Dale Dribble connection because I'm yeah. pretty sure he did the same thing in King of the Hill, um, <laughs> which is how I know it. But what what is the magazine of? Uh, so that I'm I'm just okay, about good, to, good, good, uh, good. I'm just about to fill you in. Oh, you're we're so good. <laughs> you always ask me what I'm about to tell you. I know it's almost <laughs> as if we've done this for how many years? <laughs> Subtitled "The Journal of Professional Adventurers," Soldier of Fortune was started in 1975 by Lieutenant Colonel Robert K. Brown, oh. a Green Beret who served in the Special Forces during the <laughs> Vietnam War. His intention was to repair the image of the warrior, which he felt had been damaged by public perception of the war. It started as a small circular, a zine, if you will. No. (laughs) Containing information on various mercenary employment opportunities. So it was, like, it's all mercenary. Yeah, like, the original circular was like, hey, this is what's going on in Oman, like, this is what's going on over here, this is, these are places that if you are a mercenary of this kind, you can find work. I thought it was like, you know, you come home after in Vietnam and you're disenfranchised from the, you know, from everything. And this is a way to, like, connect with your fellow man sort of thing. But no. No. No, no, no. No. No, no, no. So it started as that sort of smaller thing, but it soon evolved to a glossy full-color magazine that was deeply encoded with the fascist narratives created to uphold American exceptionalism and justify their military interventions. Okay, okay. It's not fun. Not fun. What could you find in Soldier of Fortune magazine? Along with news about ongoing insurgencies, civil wars, and other conflicts, the magazine also discussed weapons, tactics, techniques, and information for survivalists and militiamen, with plenty of ads for purchasing gun, knives, tactical gear, and everything else the average American might need. (laughs) Okay, do you think a lot of its uh, customer base were just guys who, like, were into that stuff? I think it was mostly that. Like, imagining... It's the it's the guys who are in the TV show, the Discovery T- Channel TV show, Alone. Naked and, <laughs> or, wait, sorry, Naked and Afraid. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. Can I say, uh, one of my favorite things to, when I'm in an American hotel is to put on the Discovery Channel. Because <laughs> Naked and Afraid is always on. And it's always good. And there was one, the one that got us is there was a doll on. And she was... Um, she was former military, oh, yeah. former like Marine, and her partner like fainted the first day. Ah. So she was on her own. But this girl, <laughs> this big, strong woman, she thought she could kill an alligator with a bow and arrow. <laughs> and that was her plan. <laughs> oh, no, man. So n- no matter your gender, Marines are as dumb as sticks. <laughs> Girl, friend, sweetie. <laughs> but she made it. She made it the whole oh, way. Good. And we were cheering for her. I gotta watch that episode. Oh, it was really good. I really liked it. <laughs> we were cheering for her. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so the political lines of Soldier of Fortune were very obvious, as they almost always supported anti-communist, white minority, and fascist forces, uh. including South African apartheid, the Ugh. Nicaraguan Contras, and the IDF. They were vocally pro-Israel, idolizing the former Zionist paramilitary member and Prime Minister uh, Menachem Begin, as well as dissecting Mossad's 1960 capture of Adolf Eichmann in Argentina. Oh boy! How were they in the like the troubles? Uh, probably. Uh, 
Well, the so the the eventually the the um magazine was sold by Robert K. Brown to a woman who was around during the troubles in, in Northern Ireland. Okay. And um <laughs> so you can guess. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they even recruited foreign nationals for the Rhodesian Bush Forces, the military wing of a former British colony occupying okay, land in Zimbabwe who declared independence in an attempt to maintain white minority rule. There we go. Resulting in the Rhodesian Bush War. Jesus Christ. And while they supported the brave Mujahideen fighting against the Uh, Soviet occupiers in Afghanistan, uh they were also embedding Islamophobia in their audience, including selling target practice sheets with Ayatollah (gasps) Khomeini's face on them. So they were like pre... They were like, when 9-11 hit, they're like, oh man, we got it. We can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, they would have been stoked. They would have been super stoked. But the weird thing is that like probably if if Ayatollah Khomeini just wasn't a Muslim, they would have loved him because... Like pretty much all the same views as them. He just wasn't that would be really confusing. I think that's confusing for a lot of big conservatives, yeah, like Christian conservatives that look like uh, look at conservative Islam, and they're yeah. like, "We like a lot of we like we're the really same into thing. what you're we're saying, so except for the person you're saying it for. Like, <laughs> Radical or is, our person is different. Yeah, <laughs> it really must just it must burn be their butt. Like, oh, we we could work together if only you weren't a different religion. <laughs> Ugh. As much as Soldier of Fortune loves designating villains for the American right wing, they also excel at the creation and inflation of heroes, as Brown originally intended. Mm. The pages of the publication, online only since 2016, are... It's still going? Oh, yeah. Are proliferated with dauntless stories of mercenaries and hired guns in hot zones like the Balkans, the Middle East, and Central Africa, directly following the Belgian withdrawal from Congo. It's kind of like Penthouse, like, you'll never believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in the Belgian Congo, and you'll never believe what happened. Exactly. I never thought this would happen. <laughs> Identifying authorially and almost reverently with Marlon Brando's Colonel Kurtz, Soldier of Fortune spent decades elevating the military man to a position of masculine and moral superiority, condoning the collateral of his mission as necessary and absolving him of any wrongdoing. Mm. But the main audience for this magazine wasn't like-minded hard boys selling their skills overseas. No. It was American men dissatisfied with the pressure that incremental shifts to the political left were enforcing on their lives. Oh, no. (laughs) Reagan stands coming of age during the Cold War who are ready to rifle but a commie at any moment. Let's call them simps. Reagan simps. Reagan simps. Yeah, they would okay. do anything. They would. They'd suck his dick. They would. And they'd be proud to do and it, they'd brother. they say, that's not gay. <laughs> it's patriotism. It's Reagan. <laughs> Ugh, and even if you didn't read this one magazine, yeah. the proliferation of the mercenary hero was already dripping thick like oil into popular mm, culture. Gross. The wanton violence of Conan the Barbarian and Dirty Harry made Psycho and other films of the previous decades look like cartoons for children. <laughs> Isn't Dirty Harry the... Which one is the... Oh, no, that's Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. Okay, never mind, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but it also kind of fits yeah, into oh, the yeah, whole yeah, narrative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Full Metal Jacket and Platoon mythologized oh. the Vietnam War in a way that was entirely absent from any perspective of the Vietnamese people who were victimized by the conflict. Yeah. Even America's own killers were deified, like 1950s serial murderer Charles Starkweather in the 1973 film The Badlands. Oh. And outside the movie theater, as Soldier of Fortune was selling hundreds of thousands of copies, American news media was coming down on the side of white vigilante Bernie Getz for the shooting of four African-American teenagers in a subway car. Oh. Oh, yeah. Same, 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 same. Okay. Jesus Christ. I thought you told me I'd like this one. (laughs) (laughs) But there's one character who is emblematic of this era more than any others. Who? And his name. Is? 
John Rambo. <gasps> okay. <laughs> I'm in. You're coming around. We're here. Famously filmed. Yeah. In, uh, in BC. Yeah. Where is that? Harrison Hall Springs? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah around, around there, there. Around there, around there. Now, okay. Yeah. Rambo number one. Rambo one. Bad. Well, good. Good. I mean, I enjoy it. But he's like... Rambo 2, isn't that where he just kills cops? No, Rambo 2 is the one where he goes to, basically the CIA hires him to go to, uh, back to Vietnam, oh, to try to find that. proof of POWs. Okay, okay. Which was this whole, like... It's the whole thing that was, people are still into it. Yes, exactly. And then basically they, like, abandoned him there and he had to fight his way out. Okay, but so, but Rambo 1 is him. In Washington, which is why it was filmed in BC. So okay. Rambo 1 is him, like, he's like this drifter, he's back yeah. in Vietnam war he just finds out his last platoon buddy died to cancer because of agent orange and then these cops are mean to him so rambo uh, one kind of anti-establishment well no it was pretty fascist <laughs> overall um <laughs> he's so, but he's <laughs> look i just watched uh what's it called um was the predator prey yeah and i love i love those movies i just love i there's just something about Rambo. There's yeah. something about those kind of films that they do get me. It's like a fun pastiche when you disconnect it from everything but that we everything just talked ever. about. But now I can't. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Whoops. How about Son of Rambo? Was that okay? I actually don't know what happens in Son, Son of Rambo. Son of Rambo's very cute. It's cute? Yeah, it's cute. Okay. It's actually like an independent film oh. about two boys who are... are oh. I think they live in that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It could be also fascist. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> so John Rambo is a Vietnam War veteran and former prisoner of war with, for at least one movie, PTSD. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's Rambo served to confirm right-leaning Americans' understanding of the outcome of the conflict, that they could have won if only Hanoi Jane and those bleeding heart liberals hadn't thrown tantrum. Wait. Is this why you sent me those really trans pictures of Sly That was actually Stallone? completely unrelated. Okay. <laughs> But yes, I did. Al, Al sent me a picture, and it was Stallone sitting like like very young, like very twenties. Yeah, and he had what did he have like a stuffy in his arm? Yeah, and he's wearing like a black tank top. Oh, and he yeah. just looked Longer so hair, so trans. Yeah, just at, like he had our mustache. That, he could have been going either direction. Yeah, he in could. my opinion. <laughs> and that's what I love. <laughs> That's what I love out of a trans person. Yeah. We don't, you look at them, you don't, you don't know. know if they're coming or going. You don't, <laughs> my favorite type. <laughs> that's what I, that's my, that's my goal. Uh, Damn, you got to post that picture. I will. Oof. I will post Damn. Uh, so in the first film, an adaptation of the David Morrell book, First Blood, Rambo's. It was a book? Yeah. First Blood Dang. was a book. I didn't know that. And in the book, Rambo died at the end. That's what we should have. But they couldn't have because they're like, we were going to we make money. More. We yeah, got to do more. So in that book, or I mean in the first film, for Rambo First Blood, Rambo's rampage through Washington State is framed as an indictment of the American public rather than the institutions who were actually at fault for failing returning veterans. Oh, okay. As Stallone's authorial influence grew over the franchise, the messaging became even more swamped in confusion. Between the release of the second film, which plays on the myth of American POWs left behind, yeah. and the third film, which sees John Rambo fighting the Soviets in Afghanistan with absolutely no consequences, there was another entrant into the Rambo canon. Yeah. 65 episodes of the animated series Rambo, The Force for Freedom. It was a... I just had a stroke. <laughs> I saw it happen. 
When was this? Uh, it was basically like around the mid 80s. So a kid's cartoon. Yeah. Was this around the time of like the A-Team cartoon? And like, yeah, that probably. That. Oh, wow. I want to, I want to see what this boy looks like. In this series for children, John Rambo leads the force of freedom in their mission to oppose a villainous group called, and I am not kidding you. What? Savage. Oh, no. Which stands for Specialist Administrators of Vengeance, Anarchy, and Global Extortion. Oh, no. And is led by a West German army captain <gasps> named General Warhawk. <laughs> I guess, was West Germany around that? Yeah. What? Mm? 80s? Yeah, yeah. mid-80s. It yeah. depends which one. 80. Okay. Jeez it was like around, like, it was between Rambo 2 and Rambo 3, so I think it was like 85. Set, it's 85 Wait, 86. West Germany? Yeah. Wouldn't it be East Germany? I don't know. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. He was French? <laughs> what the fuck? Rambo is joined by a collection of friends, including, oh, of course. including his mentor, Colonel Sam Troutman, pulled from the films, as well as a race car driver and Air Force <gasps> lieutenant named Turbo, oh. and Catherine Ann Cat Taylor, whom Wikipedia describes as an Asian-American military woman who was a master of disguises, gymnastics, and martial arts alike. Beautiful. She's Fantastic. Based, she's based on Kobao from the second film, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Uh-huh. The character of Kobao is a Vietnamese woman who speaks in offensively written broken English and who dies violently, being riddled with bullets right after that. kissing Rambo for the first time. Yeah. According to Phantom.com, Ko is one of the seven women to have any dialogue or interact with Rambo in the Rambo film series. And they never talk to one another. No. They're not even in the same scenes. Oh my god. Other members of Savage include Gripper, a former member of the French Foreign Legion with a metal right hand and an eye patch. What? So his story is that he ignored a surrender flag and, and so got kicked out. Okay. But he's French Foreign Legion? He, formerly. He was kicked out. Okay. Uh, there's also Nomad, a Middle Eastern nomad who leads a group of cutthroats and thieves. Cool, cool, cool. And Mad Dog, the leader of a biker gang who was found unfit for military service and has a criminal record for theft, reckless driving, and arson. Members of his gang include Animal, Jerkface, and Razor. Well, I'm, well, I, I, mm, I love this. So they're, they're the, they're the guys who may, met Pee Wee outside the bar. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I digress. Okay. Do you know what cartoons are for? For making me happy? Besides, of course, taking all of the unbelievably bleak and brutal long-term cultural implications of Soldier of Fortune and boiling it down into a little treat for kids... That's right. Cartoons are for selling toys. <gasps> they had toys? So I present to you now a 1985 commercial for the Rambo Power Cycle by Colico, headband included. If it was another year, I'm so close to being of this era. I know. I would have loved a little headband. Okay, let's see it. You can watch it along with us in our sources. We'll return after these messages. Imagine you're Rambo with your fighting machine Ordered to take position 19 Rambo! Force of freedom! With the Rambo power cycle, you got what it takes To track the enemy down, make him shiver and shake Rambo! Force of freedom! Now, you got him right in your sight You're fighting for justice, fighting for right Rambo! Force of freedom! The Rambo power cycle with headband included by Coleco Welcome back to the show. It's just a big wheel. 
<laughs> it is a big wheel. I thought this was going to be a little toy, but it's no, a, it's there a, are also toys. I was just a boy, but I found a big wheel. this commercial more abhorrent. Because <laughs> guess what? <laughs> if you're a little boy, and I'm going to specifically pick on little sis boys. Yeah. If you're a little boy and you show up in a big wheel and you're 10 and it's just, it's a black big wheel with Rambo painted on the wheel. You're going to be called gay and a fag. <laughs> Do you think? Yes. Why? Because it's, <laughs> I just think it's marketed as cool. Mm-hmm. And I think I know kids. I think they see that and they think it's for smaller kids. Oh, if you're 10. Yeah. yeah. If you're 10. I think that's a kid. That's a small boy. I think kid. it is a small boy. They probably used older kids they in the used commercial. Older kids. Yeah. But th- I just, I mean, it. I just hate that it's like, this is cool. Like, it ain't cool, This brother. is the stuff that they're selling to these kids. I mean, beyond beyond the, like, fascist implications of hunting down your friends. Muzzle sweeping your friends. <laughs> with your mounted gun. Like, if you think of... I'm, I'm using the Simpson kids. Yeah. As a, as a like... Bert, I was going to say Bert. Bart. <laughs> Bart Nelson would not be caught dead on that big wheel. Yeah. You know who would be? Millhouse. Oh, Millhouse would be on the video for sure. He'd be like, I'm Rambo. Um, one thing that I think is so interesting, I've been listening to a podcast called Kill James Bond. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, hosted by three trans people. Yeah. And they watch films to do with masculinity. And one thing that I think was really interesting to me is that Abigail Thorne talks about how uh, when she was growing up, there was like this real emphasis that men are for killing. Yeah, men are for killing. And that that like really affected her you know, especially coming into transition and stuff like that. And I think that's so interesting in contrast to, like, you know, us growing up and being like, women are for serving. Yeah. Do you think that's why, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of, like, autobiographies, there's a lot of trans women who come out of the military. Yeah, absolutely. A huge amount. Because, like, so much of this stuff was inundating them as they were growing up. And, And maybe that's, like, and again, not a trans woman, but, like, maybe trying to figure out their gender going to the military is the thing that you were told this is your gender yeah and then going into and like wait this isn't Absolutely. this isn't me like trying to try it's like when the tra- when trans guys try to go to burlesque <laughs> or rockabilly <laughs> yeah or a-line dresses who would do that um, <laughs> um, that's wild wow uh, but i just think it's so interesting that we get to have these little windows into like what i don't know i feel like I so appreciate that I get to enter into masculinity in a way that only absorbs the things that I think mm. are enjoyable for me and I don't have to deal with that. And I appreciate that That I, I hope trans women get to have that experience to some extent with femininity to appreciate yeah. the things that Gosh. were anchors for me. Yeah, looking into, it is kind of a... You're right. It is a window. We're we're in a house. We're in a house. We're in a trans house. We peek through the window. We're like, <laughs> oh, this is what masculinity was supposed to be in 1985. Yeah. Where little boys are like, no, this is cool. Even though you look stupid as shit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, again, mowing down your friends. Yeah. Fighting. And then realizing then that's, that's gender roles. That's, that's what it was prescri- like. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. Do you want to tell me about the commercial? I think, well... <laughs> I would like to I would okay. like to also amend that. I think that it's not that we're in a house and we're looking out the window. I think that we're in the kitchen of a house that has a pass-through window. Ah. And trans femmes are in the living room. Yeah. And, um... We're in the kitchen. Wait a minute. <laughs> so it's a big open... Well, okay. 
It's a big open window. It's a big. It's a big. Or we're outside. Yeah. We're looking at a bunch of houses. We're looky loos. <laughs> we're bringing them beer. <laughs> Uh, so it's a it's a kid, and the first shot is the kid tying the 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 headband on, around his head, just like Rambo. Imagine you're Rambo. And I thought, okay, as, again, as a kid, I was drawn to the quote unquote boys' toys. Yeah. So I was I was in on masculinity. Yeah. In the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, I was in baby <laughs> until I figured out I want a boy to like me, so I can't do that. <laughs> So I was in, and then he sat on the, and again, it's like a, a big wheel. It's a big wheel. But it's painted black. The kid is hunting his friends who are running. And he has like a little target on his like dashboard yeah. and his little gun. And is it of a helicopter? It shows a helicopter, yeah. Uh, there's no gun. I thought there was a little gun, but it's just like sights. Yeah. Gun sights. Uh, he does do a, like a Tokyo Drift. Yes, he does. Move, which was pretty cool. I liked it. Um, I could imagine they had that kid do it 17 times. Yeah. And then his friends, his friends are like waving a white flag. Mm-hmm. This is also reminiscent of like boys have a hard time staying friends because I think they're just mean to each other. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yep. Like even today, a lot of cis boys don't have a lot of good friends because of toxic masculinity. Yeah, absolutely, and especially if there are boys who are like you know at a young age who aren't interested in that but have to perform it anyways just yeah. in order to make it through just to make it through that's interesting this has made me think (laughs) but it's 2023 it's 2023 unfortunately (sighs) okay (laughs) same commercial okay but instead of a 10 year old it's a 36 year old (laughs) it's you it's me (laughs) It's me. You look like that kid in the commercial. I sure do. I look like that kid in the maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe like I was performing masculinity because I wanted to. I desperately wanted to, only to confuse kids and get called gay all the time. Yeah. But the kids were like, but you but Sorry, but kids were kids were really, really yeah. freaked out by me. They were confused. They by called your me deal. a tomboy a lot, and yeah. I think they had me pegged. Um but they called me gay and a fag a lot in elementary school. Yeah. Um but then also, my my friends who were other boys were like, "Well, no, she's a girl, so she can't be a fag." fag. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a thirty five year old okay trans man, <laughs> and it's the same commercial. Okay, but instead of hunting down your friends, it's just everyone has one. Okay, and you are going down. You are riding your giant thirty six year old sized big wheel <laughs> in East Van. Okay, where it belongs. <laughs> With you and your friends. Okay. Who are all trans and gay. <laughs> and you're taking it back. You're taking it you're back. You're taking the mascu- that hyper-masculinity back. I really like when, um, especially in the vehicle world, when you get a hyper-masculine car, like a Bronco or a Jeep, and then you turn on your head, like, you paint it pink. Yeah. Or you, I don't know, you, you make it your own. Mm-hmm. I like this idea of taking this toxic masculinity and we're like no we're all friends riding these big wheels we're gonna go get iced coffee later <laughs> we're gonna go to softball practice together so with the big wheels are all painted different colors and- oh yeah like they're actively painting them like yeah. you can paint your own it is rambo okay but like rambo is that trans guy oh rambo <laughs> rambo and his friend sock yeah uh and i'm trying to- alex and elliot <laughs> and brick yeah yeah they're all there they're all there <laughs> By the way, shout out to, uh, I think it's called sexchange.tbt on Instagram. Uh, they're doing a most trans name 
uh, bracket, I it's you gotta good. get you it's gotta get good. into it. You gotta, <laughs> folks. Uh, yeah, and that's it's just the same commercial. Only instead of hunting your friends, you're hunt- hunting transphobes. <laughs> An East fan with your little iced coffee holders. Perfect. And the big wheels are enough for a 36-year-old 200-pound man. I will. I love that. <laughs> I will give the original commercial this. The song did slap. It did sl- I want the same song. <laughs> I want the same song. Boy. We'll do a remix. Okay. Do you want more performative masculinity? You know I do. Well, baby, do I have a local ad for you? Yes. You probably thought this deer was alive. And this coyote was alive. And this pheasant was alive. Nope, they're not. They're dead. They've been taxidermized by Chuck Testa. Ojai Valley Taxidermy. I specialize in the most like-flight dead animals anywhere. Period. Wow. This is Chuck Testa. I love that. I w- He's only, really good, huh? Only criticism, I will yeah. feel, I say, maybe it went on a little too long. Yeah, it was a, it was a one-minuter. But uh, it was very good. It was very good. I think it is chopped into two oh, okay. commercials. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very fun. It's very good. I love, I love, you know there's a spark mm-hmm. in this local ad. Someone had a direction. Someone yeah, had, someone said, this is going to be good, and they were right. And they were right, and Chuck was like, okay. Let's do it. And uh, it's it's internet famous. Like, I would say, like, if I had to pick a favorite part, it's the part where they had to linger on the woman in bed looking happy after <laughs> Chuck Testa popped up in her bed, um, just to make sure that we knew that she was cool with that. I like the antelope driving the SUV, <laughs> and the guy pointing for a very long time, like, following the- <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Uh, is a funny that this is like you know a, a t- masculinity thing because what um when my mom was in college she took taxidermy classes oh really and my dad when he was courting her would actually bring her dead birds to turn inside out this is a <laughs> match made in heaven <laughs> we could only wish to have a relationship like that yeah our producer hasn't brought me any dead animals well. And when I talk about taxidermying our dogs when they pass, he he doesn't want to. And that's fair. <laughs> and that's okay. And we respect that. We respect that. That was a wonderful local ad. Thank you. If you have a local ad that, you know, has that je ne sais quoi, <laughs> um, you can email us at creeps at gmail.com. Yep. You can also find us on Blue Sky, on Co-Host, on Instagram. And we have a Ko-fi where you can, uh, you know... Help us out. Drop us a couple dollars if yeah. you feel like it. Yeah. Uh, and we'd love that. We love, we love you. We love that. We love you. And until next time, we are signing, signing off. Hmm, but first, a word from my spouse.